Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Today we're going to practice some silence and solitude as we center ourselves to focus on feasting on the Father as we fast our default. Will you bow your heads in a moment? Take a few. Sit back, relax, and step away and just focus on Him. So let's exhale. Let go of all the automatic thoughts, the ruminating, harassing, and weighing thoughts, and weigh it and leave it on the feet of the Lord. And inhale God's transcending presence. The Spirit's work in your life during the Lenten season. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would begin to beckon us and speak to us and really whisper to us, take a hold of us. Sarah Young, continue on this path with me, enjoying my presence even in adversity. I am always before you as well as always long aside you. See me beckoning you. Come, follow me, the one who goes ahead of you. Opening up the way is the same one who stays close and never lets go of your hand. I am not subject to the limitation of time or space. I am everywhere at every time, ceasingly working on your behalf. That is why your best efforts are trusting me and living close to me. All God's people pray. Amen. Let's let's put this picture up here. So as we embark in the first season of Lent, the first week of Lent, I couldn't help but notice uh, my son, youngest son, Josh, in the fourth grade group chat. It's actually on my phone. I monitor and censor everything he gets. Sometimes their friends FaceTime me during service. Uh, Very annoying. I I turn my Facebook off. I mean, FaceTime off. But I couldn't help notice that they were talking about Lent this week. And uh, friends were saying, what are, you, what are you giving up for Lent? And I knew that this Lent thing was a big deal when fourth graders, and they're not talking about Ariana Grande or Pete Davidson or the Spider-Man movie, but they were talking about Lenting. And some kids were you know, confused and new to the idea of Lent. And someone asked, what is Lent? And someone heretically said something I don't remember, but it was not what Lent was. And so, so Josh, as the amateur theologian he is, and the good PK in the tradition of PKs, the second son usually is the good PK, and the first son, well, I don't know. I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. But um, he said, I'm pretty sure Lent is you know, fasting something for 40 days to remember 
Jesus' suffering on the cross. Very proud, very cute. And I was like, and Joshua's like preaching to his friends, you know what I'm saying? He just got saved and baptized, anointed and appointed at his school. And, and uh, you know, I was just, you know, grinning and laughing. But sometimes, all joking aside, if you're not careful, whether you're observing Lent just now or a few decades, what is peripheral can become central, and what is central can become peripheral. It can very much seem like fasting is the main event in this liturgical drama that we partake in, in the liturgical calendar. But if we focus and highlight fasting, tell someone, you're fasting. If you highlight and illuminate your fasting, then we're highlighting our own strength and human ingenuity, human power over God's power. The point of Lent isn't fasting, it's feasting on God's power, amen? And God's presence. If we're not careful, spiritual activity will subtly replace the presence of God, which is an epidemic on its own. We have to be cautious because Lent is not about self-help. It's about salvation. It's not about incremental change that I can do to make myself better. It's how I can relinquish control so that God's power can change me. Amen. Salvation is about God's power saving us, God being the hero of our story, not self-will. And so even the fasting and even the praying becomes an activity that replaces. And what happens? Hey, what are you fasting? Ask someone, I see, what are you fasting? What are you, what's your default? And you're like, well, my default is perfectionism. How many people are struggling with perfectionism? And some people say, oh yeah, me, I'm struggling with perfectionism. I don't struggle with that. No, that's not main default mode. But um, then it becomes about how well I'm fasting. And now I'm proud that I'm fasting. And now look at me. I'm all grown up now. I'm fasting and praying, man. And it becomes completely, we missed the point of the central activity of the liturgical event is to fast to feast, is to, to make space for the availability of God's spirit to partner with us to change us from the inside out. Not self-help, salvation. Tell someone next to you, not self-help, salvation. The gospel is not self-help. Not seven steps to a happier life. It's how Jesus comes in in my brokenness, my weakness, my maladaptive addictions, and how he saves me from them by his power. So in a sense, we're, what we're fasting is our own will. And many of you in this room are gifted and intelligent. That's the first time I'm complimenting you. Say, everybody say, praise the Lord, finally. After a decade, they're saying I'm smart. I wanted to hear that. And that's the problem. The problem is because you're able, you'll try until you die. That's really, in many ways, 
for me in the Korean culture, that is the Asian way for me. You know, in, in, in Korean culture, if you get into Columbia, your parents will say, why didn't you get into Harvard? And if you get into Harvard, they'll say, why didn't you get into Oxford? It's always something better, something to achieve. And so when we come to the gospel event, it's very difficult for us to lay down our will. How many people identify with this? You want to do it yourself. You're proud of that. Well, that dies in Lent. <laughs> Jesus fasted 40 days so that he doesn't have his own power. Jesus doesn't have his own will or strength. So he has to rely on him, on relying on the Father. So how do we move from merely fasting or starving from our defaults and, and whatever maladaptive coping form we've developed and move to feasting? on the power of God, in the presence of God. That's the point of Lent. The central activity is making room for God to show up, changing your life to the praise of His glorious grace so that people around you, your families, your spouses, your friends, see the change of God's power in your life. So let's move to this text and see how God invites us into the larger mission of His kingdom because when you see Lent in the very beginning, what you see is Jesus is led by God, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, it says. So it's not the exogenous environment or the alcohol or the substances or the anger that's the problem. It's really internal. Abstinence does not mean freedom, right? So Jesus goes to the desert to be away from those things to really be confronted about what's in the heart. And that's what I want to talk about today. So, this is what Paul says in verse 23. Everything is what? Permissible. Right? Everything is permissible. We talked, I talked about this two weeks ago. Edibles and drinking and partying and binge drink. Everything is permissible in a free country. But not everything is beneficial, Paul says. And of course, he's talking about, like I mentioned a few weeks ago, the temple worship in Corinth, right? The, the temple prostitution, the binge drinking, which that confluence leads to very dangerous results. And we saw and, and explored that in Korea, we, we've seen that drinking and alcohol leads to sexual violence, domestic violence, leads to destructive forms of coping. And so Paul is laying out his argument for what we should do with our autonomy, our freedom, what we choose in essence. Because tell someone next to you, you're a heathenist, whether you like it or not. They're like, yeah, you're a heathenist. Selena Gomez, the great cultural theologian, Justin Bieber's ex-girlfriend, I talk about this with my son all the time, wrote a song called, I Had to Lose You to Love Me. She said, in one of the lines, you were, in two months you replaced us? Like it was easy? I felt like I deserved it. I felt it when I heard that song. Human beings are made for a propensity for appetite. We saw this in Greece. Passions always overcome logos or logic. 
Okay, that's why Greece defaulted many more times than everybody else. They had the smartest philosophers, but they shut them up with the appetite. Human beings will substitute something because we're heathenists by nature. We're created to exalt in something because you can't exalt in yourself because, I mean, everybody knows no matter how great you think you are, you're not that great. You're looking to exalt in something, to satisfy. And so Paul is trying to frame this appetite, this passions that we have in our lives to cope with the pressures of life and what the culture offers and what we should do with what we choose. Because in a sense, the sentient beings have a choice. You are king of your own choices, this autonomy. But sometimes our autonomy becomes perverse because we choose things without thinking about unintended consequences. So Paul says everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible. He says it again because they're dense. But everything, but not everything what? Builds up. So we say, why can't I do that? It's fine for me. I'm not an alcoholic. It's a little bit of wine. And I said that there's nothing wrong with that. But Paul is not talking about why you shouldn't drink. He's talking about why, how, and why it affects others, right? Because he says, no one is to seek his what? His own good, but the good what? The other person. The Christian framework is communal and tribal. Jesus came, the word kenosis in Greek, he emptied himself from being the king of the universe, and he emptied himself and became a servant for the good of others, not for his own good, because he had it already good. He was chilling in the height of the, the top of the universe. No, kenosis, the idea of the Christian kenosis is emptying yourself for the sake of others. That is the altruistic typography of the higher plane of reality. And so if the Christian goes, well, why can't I do that? Why are you trying to, you know, prohibit me from drinking and having fun? See, this is the problem. This is poor marketing campaign for the church. We're boring. Don't do that. Don't do that. The Ten Commandments, don't do that. Don't do that. Everything is prohibition. But you're missing the point. It's not prohibition, not fasting for the sake of fasting is what? Fasting for the sake of feasting. For something higher. Amen? Something higher. I've seen this legacy of choices and autonomy when it's surrendered and relinquished in my own life, in my father's life. Let's put this picture up. You see, and I don't take these days in the park with the lake for granted, even though my oldest son is not here because he refuses to hang out with us. <laughs> when you're 15, all you want to do is hang out with your girlfriend and your friends. We're not cool anymore. But I told them, dude, I'm the coolest person you ever meet in your life. He goes, not to me. I'm Kid Cole. Like, whatever that means. But anyway, I don't take these times with family for granted and the legacy that we have as a Christian family. And I know everything, every good thing in my life stems from a root of a choice from my father. And I never met this father that was an alcoholic and a drunk. And why I share the story about Korea's number one problem in binge drinking, that 14 shots of hard liquor per week, the form of coping with the pressures, that high pressure society. My father was one of them. 
Well, he had me when he was 42. But my brother told me that before all that, he would come at night just like every other Korean man that felt like he, his lot in life was unfair. He lost his family during the Korean War. That line that split South Korea and North Korea was right where he lived and he lost most of all his family, never to see them again. Couldn't really finish college. He was, you know, all his brothers were valedictorians. They were smart. They had a chance, but he, he felt robbed. And so when Korea struggled with economic instability, he felt like his life didn't live up to his potential. So he drank, beat my brother, my mom, until he met Jesus. My brother told me that when dad finally went to church and met Christ, everything about him changed. He gave up alcohol as a form of coping with the disappointment in his life. And he chose prayer. He started going to morning prayer. That famous, loud, obnoxious prayer that Koreans have, have they created called the hip prayer, high-intensity prayer, like high-intensity workouts. You know what I'm saying? And my brother said, my dad changed drastically. His business started flourishing. He started doing much better. And that's the only dad I knew, a hardworking man who never complained, who prayed at church and people when he would pray would cry. And I'm so grateful that my dad didn't choose self-help or he didn't bite down on self-will because of his own giftedness or intelligence or stubbornness. But he fasted and surrendered and relinquished his default of coping with alcoholism. And he chose to feast on God, amen? He didn't choose self-help, he got saved. Let's give God a praise offering for that. He got saved, he got saved for real. And in every decision after that, and change the trajectory of our family's life. When 180 started, my dad's the one that funded the church. He goes, church planning is hard, bro. I did it. It's tough. Beware. I said, it would be easy for me. It wasn't. A lot of us asked a question, why can't I do what I do? What's it matter? The decisions you make, the way you cope, friends, family, right now will affect your family's life in the future. Whether it will be a blessing or a curse. The way we deal with anger, the way we deal with stress, the way we deal with pressure, and the maladaptive ways we function will be passed down because they're caught. They might not be taught, but they're caught. So in Lent, the opportunity is not to simply fast defaults for the sake of fasting them, it's to identify them, to relinquish them permanently so that blessing can flow. Because not everything that's permissible, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial.
So forget self-help. I want salvation. I want God's power to come into my family, to bless my family's family and my children's children. And that's why we're identifying and isolating the default so that we can find blessing for our families. Amen? Tell someone next to you, be a blessing to your family. Start a legacy now. It does matter what you choose and how you function. Because the gospel story is not about how you survive or even how you redeem yourself. The gospel story is how God's power redeems your story. And that power is available. So let's move down. So that's right now. First thing we need to do then to move from just fasting defaults at the core of that is to fast. What? Our entitlements. The perversion of autonomy. Oh, what? That attitude... It's fine, so what? It's not hurting anybody. It's hurting your future. Idols always haunt families in the future. Like Joshua said, for me and my family, I will serve the Lord. That choice has to be made today, not in the future, because the sins of the fathers will be passed down from generation to generation. So let's think about our kids, our friends, and the world. Not in the short term, but in the long term. That perversion of autonomy, that attitude, how is my decision affect anyone else's? It does. It will. Second thing, so let's move down, is so Paul addresses the, the need sacrifice to idols in Corinth. He talks about not being a stumbling block, right? I mean, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, everything, do everything for the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or Greeks or the church of God. So don't stumble anyone. So just as I try to please everyone in everything, not seeking my own benefit, but the benefit of many. Again, the same motif comes out, right? Not just me, but others. But verse 33 is powerful because it's not just about my salvation and my transformation and my own formation, but it's about what? So that they may be what? Saved. As I try to please everyone in everything, not seeking my own benefit, but the benefit of many so that they may be saved, so that many can be saved. Tell someone next to you, so that many can be saved. The church has an image problem, folks. That's an understatement. The church has a serious image problem. If we don't become people that represent God well, what hope is there? And then some of you might be like, Doc, come on. Why me? Put the pressure on someone else. What about you? You be, you, you be the example. You see this attitude of, why is it my responsibility? The millennial generation always wants to be adulting, but never wants to take responsibility. Come on, I'm still adulting, man. I'm still learning this thing. So what happens if adults continues to ad adult? 
Their children's never grow up. The children pay the cost. For example, let's put this picture up here. This is binge drinking. But the only problem is you expect this at NYU. Berkeley, at Harvard, at Boston, you know. Binge drinking is sort of a norm in college campuses. But I address two freshmen in my college, which was a Bible college, which they came to become pastors or youth pastors or whatever. And now youth pastors are infamous for the way they dress. Just like Spider-Man addressed that in the new movie. And I was talking to these guys that were drinking in their rooms, which is prohibited. I mean, you're underaged. And when I addressed them, they said, they laughed. (laughs) What's the big deal? It's what everybody does. I'm not hurting anyone. I'm just taking the edge off. So what kind of pressure do you have at a Bible college, man? It's not Harvard, man. Come on. You're in youth ministry. They throw you, they teach you how to throw frisbees to other kids. What kind of pressure you under? <laughs> They're like, come on, what, what, what is it? I said, what about the guy down your dorm who's 29 who got saved from alcoholism and opioids addiction? What about that guy? Can you imagine someone else coming outside of your positionality or even your normality of your own life where you don't really struggle with substances? But what if you come to the Lord and you come to the church? Like that one guy who got transformed his life from from the grave of alcoholism and drug addiction and he wanted to become a pastor. And you see your, your, your peers binge drinking in their rooms. Would that stumble them? Yeah, it would. So what, like, what is this? What are, what are Christians really like? I'm not saying you do that, but you get my point. My point is why we relinquish our autonomy and choose to abstain from certain things, even to certain degrees, however the Lord convicts. It's not for us. It's for that person that walks through that door. That could come from any background that we might not know. They might be from opiate addiction, drug addiction, alcoholism. And they're coming to the church, find Jesus. And then we become the stumbling block because, oh, well, who does it hurt? That's the point. The point of why we abstain, why we surrender, how we feast to save many as we can, amen? That is a high enough purpose to sacrifice our choices to whatever degree God calls you and convicts you. That's what Paul is saying. He's not trying to be a killjoy. So the second way Paul sort of informs this Lenten season is to really remember what? So we fast our entitlements, not for the sake of piety, but what? We feast on what? We feast on God's mission. The point of this missional calling to save those who need Jesus, who are broken, 
who are in despair from coping in maladaptive ways like my father and to experience the power of God to feast on that. To feast on the mission of God. Amen? That's what Lent affords us this season. As we close today, in Instagram this week, I saw Belle dancing to my son's song, Kid Cole's song. I forget what the song's name. I'm a terrible father. But uh, the 80s themes movie, what's it called again? I don't know where he is. 1989, 1989, sorry. Whatever that is. I'm kidding. And, and she was dancing to it and really cute, you know? It's like I'm dancing to it, the 80 themes movie, very clever. And, um, and X commented without really, I think, hearing what Janice was saying. I think he interpreted what she was, because she was lifting her hands and dancing. X, who's at Stanford right now, coming back to New York, was saying, look, she's already praising the Lord. But she wasn't. She was dancing to the Heem's movie. But for me, that context is feasting on God's mission. Because X didn't even know the Lord seven, eight years ago. Right? He was just Janice's friend at medical school that found God because of her initiative of mission and the community's mission, and he found the Lord. Now, I'm like, I said to my wife, X sounds really Christian. <laughs> He's praising the Lord. I'm like, really? Praising the Lord? Who says that today? I mean, that's, I'm like, I think he's a Christian, honey. He goes, well, yeah, of course, he's a Christian. Folks, we're starting a legacy here. We're starting a legacy for our future families, for our kids, for our friends, and what you choose and what you surrender matters to the people around you. You don't even know how many people really need the Lord. And I remember I took a candid photo of all the fathers in the back. I don't know why, it's all the fathers carrying the children on Sunday. I think they made a rule or something. Like, you take care of the baby. And I see that the picture of legacy begins now. And that's what we want to be in our community. We want for, for our families, for me and my house, we want to serve the Lord. That starts now, today. Amen? Let's all stand and pray together. Today, will you join me? Lift your hands to the Lord. Will you pray for blessing? God's hand of favor and blessing on us joining God's mission. Say, God, I want to offer of my life to represent you well. I want to become 
to become families. We want to become a community. And practice really tries anyway to live out the way of Jesus. Kenosis. In the incarnation, Jesus laid down his life. Jesus says, there is no greater love than this, Jesus says, to lay down one's life for one's friends. something of you today. 
millennial generation. We no longer can afford in the church for many of us to be adulting anymore. You can already see in the media that the church has relinquished the responsibility to reach the next generation to professionals. And those professionals have fallen, not in obscurity, but at its height, damaging the witness of Christ for generations to come. We could no longer afford for us to say, why me? Will you take responsibility for the next generation? Forget being, forget adulting or the grace of that. It's time to become mature in Christ and take responsibility for not only our children, but the next generation, the next generation of youth that will need mature believers to represent Christ to them. And God is calling you out of the wilderness. a ministry about representing Christ. And I know that feels heavy. And I know that requires sacrifice. But the way of Jesus is kenosis. the church we are the community God's calling to represent Christ will you say to the Lord today yes I say yes Lord. I'm imperfect I know what is saying being pious but I'm saying I'm gonna choose to fast my defaults the maladaptive ways I cope the things that I do in secret the things I think in secret and I'm gonna relinquish them to the Lord Because we need adults. We don't have them. For the sake of your children's children. And for the sake of the world. I want to give you a moment. To just say, Lord, please work in my life. I want to allow Lent to be the opportunity. Where I learn to feast on God's power. To manifest in my life. I can be a blessing to the whole world, starting from my family to my community. And others will praise God for my witness. Let Lent be that opportunity for us this year. Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of
of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. May the Lord bless you as you let Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, it's good to see all of you guys here on this nice and snowy Sunday. For those of you guys that don't know me, my name is Stu Still. I'm a member here at 180 Church. We are a community joining God to restore the beauty in all things. And again, it's so good to see all of you guys here today. Before we get started, we just have uh, some community news that we want to share with everybody. We're going to start off with tithes and offering. And for all of our members here, we want to remind and encourage you to continue to keep God at the center of everything, including your finances. You can make an offering through any of the electronic means uh, above. And if you're a visitor here, you guys are our guests. You guys are our visitor. There's no financial obligation to be here. But if you feel led to make an offering, you're more than welcome to do so at any of the means above as well. Our next announcement is about, is about the Bible Reading Group, which you can find on Instagram or Tumblr at 180BRG. And this is a great resource for us to get God's Word daily into our lives, whether we start the day whether, with it, whether we power through the afternoon with it, or whether it's a refreshing, quieting moment before we go to sleep at night to just bask in God's Word and really see what His promises are for us. And again, this is a great resource to bring that into our lives. We post just a chapter of the Bible every day on these uh um, outlets and uh, again you can find it on Instagram or Tumblr at 180BRG. Our next announcement is about the different ways that we can come together and pray and as Dr. Sammy has been preaching uh, over the last few weeks prayer is so important and vital to our lives and it's important uh, not only for ourselves but for those that we care about for those that we're concerned about and this is a great resource for those times when we want to pray for others and lift others up and that we don't want to do it alone but we do it in community uh, at 5397 prayer you can send a text to our prayer team or you can do it through email at prayer at 180church.tv and again this is a great resource for those times where either we're going through something in our lives or for those that we care about our friends our family our co-workers our loved ones where we can lift them up but not just lift them up alone but lift them up with the community. And again, uh, it's 5397prayer or prayer at 180church.tv. And we also have our house of prayer, which we start at about 1140 every Sunday. And it's a great time to just quiet ourselves from all of the busyness, all the insanity, all the craziness of the week, and just ready ourselves to hear God's word. And we do that right here in the theater again at 1140. And uh, speaking of all the ways that we can pray and... Uh, do that. We uh, have all of these different devotionals, which we've been going into through this year, uh, that you can find at the 180 Cafe. Um, all of these are available for you guys. And again, Dr. Sammy has been talking about the ways that we can pray and the ways that we can, you know, center our lives in Christ. And these have been a great resource for a lot of people to just spend time every day, just with a short moment of prayer, of devotion to really connect with God. Uh, again, you can find all of these at the uh, 180 Cafe. Uh, it's on the honor system, so you can pick it up and then you can just Venmo us at Church 180 or at QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv. Next, we have all of the ways that we're connected on social media. Uh, we have a number of Instagram handles. We have uh, 180church, 180brg, as I mentioned before, and 180 Fellowship for our college ministry. We have our YouTube page at 180churchNYC. 
Dr. Sammy has his Twitter page at uh, Dr. Sammy Kim. We have our Facebook page at 180 Church. And lastly, we have our Tumblr page again, 180BRG for the Bible Reading Group. And these are a great number of ways where we can come together online to keep up to date on everything that's going on in the church and to just come together and pray and do all these things together, again, in the context of community so that we're not doing life alone, but we're keeping together in community through all of these means. And on that note, um, we know that not everybody can make it here every single Sunday. So we do have our live stream available every Sunday uh, on our YouTube page at 180 Church NYC. And it starts every Sunday at about 10 after 12. And again, this is a great resource for if you can't make it here on a Sunday or if you're inviting a friend out and they're just a little bit nervous about showing up in person, this is a great way to bring church to them, to help them start their journey in Christ. So again, it's on our uh, YouTube page at 180 Church NYC. Next, we have all of our small groups, which are where we come together in the middle of the week to go deeper into Dr. Sammy's sermon, to see where we're going in life, to see where Christ is calling us in life. And again, I've said it so many times today, it feels like it's becoming a catchphrase, but it's where we do it in community, where we do it together, where we're friends along the journey in where Christ is bringing us. And it's also a great way, if you're beginning your journey in Christ, to talk to people about where they've started and how they've been progressing in their relationship with Christ. We have the adult groups, which meet every Wednesday at 7.30, the young adult groups, which meet on Thursdays at 7.30, and we have the 180 Fellowship College group, which meets on Mondays at 7.30, and many of these are meeting online and virtually, so if you're interested in joining, come see me or any of the greeters in the blue shirts, and we'll get you connected. Next, we have a number of ways that we're looking for people to help us in uh, many of the ministries we have here at 180 Church. One of them is the children's ministry. And we have so many kids running around here now, it's starting to feel like we're getting a little outnumbered by them. <laughs> and we need some people to help us with starting their journey in Christ and uh, giving them a foundation for who God is. If you're interested in joining that, you can talk with Pastor Lydia or you can talk with Michelle Kim and they'll get you plugged in. Next, we have the 180 Cafe, which is a great time to just grab a cup of coffee or a cup of tea in the morning. And we are looking for people to help out with that as well. And this is just a great place for, you know, being that first point of contact with people as they come in. And if you're interested in joining that, you can talk to Danny O or Wendy Lee. Or if that's not uh, up your alley, we just have our greeters, which really are the first point of contact, the people that are the friendly faces to welcome people. And many of us are here because someone was friendly and said, welcome. You're welcome here. We want to know all about you and help you on your journey in Christ and all of that stuff. And uh, if you're interested in joining that again, you can talk with Danny O or Wendy Lee. Those are all of our announcements today.